welcome back to the Geeks at the Gates. Or, if you're listening on the community radio, welcome to the Geeks at the Gates. A bit of explanation for those of you who have not sat through the 40-odd episodes of this that we've done so far. The Geeks at the Gates is a podcast where a bunch of geeks uh, get together and talk about stuff. Sometimes we talk about TV, sometimes comics, sometimes movies... Occasionally we have discussions about who'd win in a fight, Batman or Superman, Batman, obviously. Occasionally we pick our top five space vehicles, uh, you know, whatever comes to mind, really. Uh, we have a rotating cast, which at the moment seems to be me. Uh, I'm Reggie Rigby, I run Destination Venus, under the stairs at the Everyman Cinema. And for once that's not an advert, it's an explanation of who I am. With me on this edition is um, Hat. Hi. I'm Hat. I uh, draw things when I get five minutes and uh, build things most of the time. Yeah, currently rebuilding your house. Currently rebuilding my house. And still have time to turn up here. I do. And also with us this evening is Alice. Hello. Um, I uh, <laughs> I am a writer that is on an extended vacation. <laughs> That's a very good way to put it. Uh, <laughs> I say Can well. I call you a media expert? I was going to say film fanatic, but yeah. Film fanatic works. But media expert, sure. <laughs> I, have called, I have called half an aspirational carpenter before now. Definitely, so that is my next career move. There is not just us, although in the last couple of podcasts there seems to be just us. There is also Matt, who is a publisher and old school comic fan. There is Steve, who is an actual scientist and also the biggest damn geek I've ever met, and I work in a comic shop. He runs the Geek Pub Quiz uh, currently the third Sunday of every month at Major Tom's in Harrogate. Sorry, listeners on the internet, this is all very Harrogate-specific. Um, and Steve's wife, Helen, who is also a massive geek uh, and also runs the Geek Pub Quiz, uh, and is a yoga teacher. Good one, too, by all accounts, although I don't do yoga. And then there's Ian, who is one of the, fa- along with me and Steve, is one of the founding geeks of this podcast. Uh, we hardly ever see Ian these days. He's a very grumpy Scottish artist who works in a comic store. Mine, to be specific. But in all fairness, he's got reasons oh, to yeah. be around. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's very got, good reasons. He's got, well. he's got two small kids and, uh, you know, <laughs> not a lot of time. And, you know, he's a busy artist. And we also have Jack, who is uh, a former comic book store owner. Uh, and I'm going to call him a professional young person because he's not here, so I can get away with it. And <laughs> Jack, who perpetually thinks I'm younger than him, even though I'm about 10 years older than him. That's the one. And uh, we also have Claire, who has only been on one of our podcasts, uh, but was magnificent when she was on it, and we're yeah. hoping she'll have time to come back, but she's also very busy. And that's us. More geeks may appear. I don't think I've been. Have I missed anybody? Liz is on sometimes. Oh, God! Yeah, we also have Liz, who is Hat's wife, uh, <laughs> and an animator and computer genius, and has been on one podcast, but will be on another, because we're going to talk about Dungeons and Dragons at some point. Yes. So that's us. If you want to listen to the radio version uh, that is on Harrogate Community Radio uh, I've forgotten the web address It'll be, the link will be in the show notes the show notes to all of our episodes can be found on the Destination Venus Comics website uh, if you just go to the blog section and scroll down and look for the title of each episode we also are a podcast which people who will listen to this who've just downloaded it through a podcast thing will know already there is one major difference well two really differences between the radio version of this and the podcast version of this. The radio version of this is almost exactly an hour long, because I'm going to make it so, and although there is a swearing on the radio version, it will be bleeped out. Uh, so if you want to hear me say fuck, 
you're going to have to go to the podcast, which is not Fleet and is whatever length it ends up being, because it's a podcast and nobody cares. We try and keep them about an hour, but they've been known to go on longer because we sometimes go on a bit. And as I'm doing now, so let's stop that and get on with it, shall we? Can't stop laughing at me. <laughs> Hello, and sorry to put in, this is Reggie speaking to you from the future. Very, very quickly. One of the things I forgot to tell you is that this podcast is full of spoilers for Glow Season 3. If you haven't seen Glow Season 3, you probably don't want to be listening to this yet. If you haven't seen it, go away, watch it, come back, we'll still be here. What we do to let people know that spoilers will be in the show from this point is we have something called a spoiler horn which we will sound now, and then we'll get on with it. So, bye from the future. Here's the spoiler horn. Spoilers! Spoilers! So, this evening, we are are here to talk about Season 3 of Glow. Last podcast, we were talking about Stranger Things, which I described as the best thing ever to happen on television. I think I stand by that. This makes Glow number two. Yes. For me. Yes. Because it's brilliant. It is. I don't... I'm going to go around in a second and ask how people discovered this show. But I like the sound of my own voice, so I'm going to keep going for a little bit, if that's all right. Because I'm old, right? I'm the professional old guy on this show. I'm in my late 40s, and I remember the actual gorgeous ladies of wrestling show. I never watched it, because my interest in wrestling then and now is somewhere close to zero. But I remember it being a thing. I remember my mates talking about it. I remember some moderately off-colour discussion about the various attributes of the various wrestlers because we were all 13-year-old boys. And when I first saw Glow on Netflix, I thought it was probably a documentary about that show. There is one now. There is one now, yeah. Uh, which I might actually watch. I haven't watched it, but I might. Okay. And I wouldn't know about Glow. And this is why it's, this is relevant to podcasting. I wouldn't know about Glow. I wouldn't have given Glow a second glance. Were it not for the fact that I'm a very big fan of WTF, which is Mark Maron's podcast. Uh, If you have not come across Mark Maron's podcast, you should go and find it. Not now, because you're listening to this, but when you've done, um, you should go and find it, because it's brilliant. He interviewed President Obama in his garage. Not Reg, it's not brilliant, it's fucking brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) You are going to give me so much work to do on this aren't you? Not as much as me. It is fucking brilliant, actually. WTF stands for what the fuck, so I think you've got to, you've got to swear. <laughs> oh, if you're, if you're offended by the F word, don't listen to WTF, because he will greet you by saying, what's up, fuckers, every time you... No, what the fuckers. What the fuckers. What the fuck, Nicks. What the fucking noughts has been one. Mum's going uh, to kill the, me. What the fucking is. <laughs> We're just quoting Mark Maron. It's fine. Also, if you don't like swearing, don't watch Glow. Like, <laughs> that's also... For real. That's like, also a good do point. Not. It's also a good point. But he is in Glow. He's, he plays the sleazy, coked-up director of the show, uh, Sam. Uh, and for a, a brief period of time on his podcast, he talked about very little else. Uh, he interviewed all the main cast members, and he talked about it a lot because it was, his, it was his second really big acting gig. He had had his own show previous to that, so... Marin. Yeah. Mm. Which is also a good thing to find. Is it still on Netflix? No, I don't think it is. is. No. But if you can find Marin, Marin's really good. Season four's really dark. So I thought I'd give it a try because I like Mark Marin. And I don't think I've ever fallen in love with a show quite so fast. I didn't fall in love with Stranger Things that fast. I was hooked. 
I was hooked from the first scene where the wrestlers are sitting and are addressed by Sam for the first time in episode one. When he says something like, well, I said I'd do this fucking thing, so let's get on with it. Yeah. Um, and nobody knows why they're there, and it's, it's all very confusing and weird for them, and it's just great. But I've wibbled on for ages now. Um, so, Pat, Alice, explain what Glow is about. Um, Glow is about the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. Only, it, well, it is. It's about them. It is about the women who are... It's a dramatised version of the 80s. And a heavily fictionalised one. A heavily fictionalised drama. Because they're not the same characters and they're not pretending to be In those no people. way, no. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's genius, basically. Um... It's sort of, what does it do? What doesn't it do? Because at the end of the day, it's hilarious. It's terrifying and horrifying and brilliant yep. and dramatic. And it goes, takes you through every possible emotion that you could ever want or not want to it's, have. It's a very sharp, honest. it's a very sharp satire. Yeah. Both on the time. I mean, it's obviously set in the 80s. Wow, yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm the only person in the room at the moment who remembers the 80s directly. Not. Oh, come on, you can't remember them that well. I was, what, what was I, like, seven in 89? So I do remember some of the 80s. Oh, that's like me planning to remember the 70s. I was really? there. Yeah, I was there. I remember, I remember, uh, I remember Margaret Thatcher being I wasn't removed. alive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> to make us feel old. Um, but I was... I was... No, but I remember, you know, the fall of Margaret Thatcher. I remember the, uh, that the John Major election. wonderful to it watch. It glorious. I remember and, the election. And it, and it was 1990. Really, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. I was at university. I was nine. It's not a competition. No, I, wasn't. I wasn't. No, I was. What? Really? You sure? No, I remember because my best mate was in the year below me at school, and he actually rang me up to tell me how upset my politics teacher was. <laughs> amazing. Oh, wasn't he? Yeah, my politics, my politics, <laughs> my politics teacher was a massive Thatcherite, and his son is currently a, a, a very odious Conservative MP. When was the Berlin Wall? Because I remember that being on the news. Who does oh. not do politics? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, when was the Berlin Wall? The Berlin Wall was, was eighty eight, eighty nine. Yeah, I remember that being on the news. So I remember certain aspects, okay. major well, pop cultural aspects. I don't remember wrestling in the eighties. I remember wrestling in the nineties. Ah, uh, no, you see, I remember, I remember the WCW and the WWF. That's what I remember from the nineties, and I remember it vividly. Like that was Saturday mornings. That was yeah. like you know, that was it. You watched the wrestling. I, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't, but I was in high school. Neither did anybody I, was, I knew. I was, I was probably at work on a Saturday morning, to be fair. Yeah. Anyway, so we're drifting off a little bit. But wrestling still, and that's the point. Like, you know, at the end of the day, wrestling, I, I mean, I watched wrestling as a kid, and I loved the idea, and I did martial arts, and, like, I loved that whole concept. But there were two women in the whole of the WWF when I was watching it. Like, mm. it was just guys. It was all guys. And, like, the only time I ever saw anything close to the gorgeous ladies of wrestling was Gladiators. You know, that was the closest <laughs> thing I ever got to as a kid, seeing women hitting each other with pugil sticks, oh, uh, which was Lord. a lot of different thing. I There's a whole have... generation of people who don't know what gladiators are. Who don't know what gladiators Alice is looking at it strangely. I have at least heard of it. See, look, I feel Again. really old. That's fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, so wrestling, when I was a kid, had, like, very, very few women in it, and yeah. I... I missed that. I wish there had been more women in wrestling when I was a kid. So it's kind of weird to watch something set in the 80s when I was a kid that has all these mm. women in it wrestling, doing something 
I wish I had been able to see it, at that at that period of time. It does, and it's, it actually has this in common with Stranger Things, in yeah. that it very very clearly captures what the eighties were like. Yeah, I I grew up in Doncaster. It was nothing like the world we see in Glow, <laughs> which is nineteen eighties Los Angeles. I'd like to pretend that Doncaster in the eighties was as glamorous as that, but it wasn't. No, truly. You know, I had access to television, so I, I know it's it's very very good as a historical reenactment kind of thing, yeah. as, a, as a period piece. Uh, as it as is strange things. So weird to think of something being a period piece set in the eighties, which is a time oh, in which I was actually alive. Tell me about it. I wasn't. I, I voted. <laughs> yeah. I voted in elections in the eighties. That's so. right. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, God. I, 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 I don't think I'll experience what you you two are going to right now. Time. Till... Ten years time. <laughs> Ten years time. Ten years. Actually, no. My Mad Fat Diary is set in the nineties. You'll be looking back. You'll be looking back on the nineties. In about ten years' time, <laughs> and you'll have exactly this conversation. Yeah, and we'll feel even worse because we'll still think the nineties were like twenty minutes ago. <laughs> Which, yeah, it's true. Liz keeps going. Wasn't like nineteen ninety nine, like five years ago. And I'm really I'm trying to think. Really, really, really now. What, what that era is going to be like, though, as being nostalgic about the nineties. Bucket hats and <laughs> Oasis, and that's about it. That's all I can think. Our friends um, in the north. Our friends in the north. Yeah, mm. actually, yeah. Yeah, well, just enough the eighties was glamorous, the nineties was not, and the the glamour of the eighties is that, really really why I've got the face, yeah. the expression on my face. <laughs> you see, what what the <laughs> listeners are experiencing here now is what one of these podcasts is like when Steve isn't here, because Steve Steve is our resident stern person who makes us stay on who makes us stay on target, um, and we're drifting off again. So just to drag it back. Um, Shall we? It's probably probably best actually if we go through the characters. Cool. Let's. And what I'll do is I'll get a copy of the latest Glow comic, which I have not read. Because Glow has a spin-off comic, and it's gorgeous, and I love it, and it's beautiful. And somewhere in here there is a list of all the characters. So is it Trini Howard? It is Trini Howard. Um, make sure we don't miss anybody. So obviously, because it's wrestling, all the characters have two names. There's their their, their name as a character, and there's their wrestling name. Persona, <laughs> um, and because it's set in the eighties, some of these are, by modern standards, a little bit racist. The one that the word that springs to mind is yikes. Yeah, in a uh, big way. And that's, and, and to be honest, they could have not done that. They could, have and done. it was brave of them to do it. And I'm glad they did it because it it wouldn't be satire. It wouldn't be accurately reflecting the eighties if it. Did. Oh God, no. And uh, so the central, if it's an ensemble, it's a genuinely ensemble piece. But if there's a central character, I would suggest it was Ruth Wilder. Yeah, absolutely. And right. I feel like it's worth knowing that season three becomes much more of an ensemble piece. I think yes. seasons one and two very much follow Debbie Egan and Ruth Wilder and their interpersonal relationship yeah. and how they relate with everything and the world and how their relationship functions in this specific world. Yeah. And then in season three, you really get to see far more of everybody else's life and characters and, and it becomes much more of an ensemble piece. Much, very much, very much. Uh, so Ruth Wilder is a talented stage actress, never managed to, uh, yeah, hats putting her talented in air quotes, and that's, prob <laughs> that's probably fair. Uh, she's probably the best actor, her character is probably the best actor yeah. on the show as the character, on the globe. Yeah, she's she's Annie from Community. For anyone that's watched Community, um, and it, my she's still good an actor in real life. Yeah, my Mad Men as well. Yeah, my wife yeah, was, was watching. Uh, we've been literally rewatching Community recently, and we were watching Glow the last weekend. And um, I was like, "See, look!" And there's this one, <laughs> there's one scene uh, where 
she is topless and jiggling her boobs. And I went, Annie's boobs! Because obviously in Community, they name a monkey after Annie, who is her character, and her boobs. And it was only at that moment that she realised it was the same actress. (laughs) She had, like, no idea. Because um, time has uh, passed, says Community. And uh, Ruth, Ruth is is not financially successful as an actress. No. She struggles to get past, which is why she goes up for Glow, because it's a part. It is. Um, and we see her in the, the first episode going for an audition and reading the man's part. Oh, it's glorious. Because it was more interesting than the woman's part. And that's, that's one of the reasons she, she gave a get, great like, audition as well. She was fat. Stunning. Um, now, her wrestling persona is Zoya the Destroyer, who is a Soviet... Glorious Soviet Union. I can't do a Russian accent. I speak a bit Russian, but I can't do the accent. <laughs> we are sitting surrounded by Matryoshka. As we are. Do that um, accent. <laughs> she is a heel, which is a wrestling term. The bad is. guy. I know so much. You do. <laughs> the face, which is a wrestling term for a good guy, uh, that she most often squares up against is uh, Liberty Bell, who is all American. Yes. Um, and she is Debbie Egan, who was a very successful soap actress yep. on the show, but her star was very much falling. Mm, yes. Um, particularly because Ruth broke up her marriage. Yes. Um, they not, were best friends. Yeah, they were best friends. And then Ruth the broke point. up. Ruth smashed up their mar- marriage by having an affair with her husband. It was a thing. And Debbie Egan sort of deigned to join the show and be the star. Yep. And was, wasn't it their cat fight that kind of it got was, Sam's yeah. attention? And yeah. Just, um, Absolutely, yeah. And so, um, this could... yeah. <laughs> their relationship has developed quite nicely, actually, I think, over the three, over three seasons. seasons. Yeah. Season two is horrifying, some of their interactions in season two. And the, the thing about Glow is it kind of really goes with, with what's going on in the world currently now at yeah. the time, which I find really interesting because it is satirizing the 80s. But the fact of the matter is, not that much has really changed. So they can still do things like go, right, okay, so there's a whole casting couch situation. Mm, yeah, nasty, rapey, bad. And uh, Ruth legs it out of there so that she doesn't have to deal with that, of course. And Debbie's response to that is horrifying, like absolutely yeah. horrifying. Her disdain for Ruth and the fact that she, it's just disgusting, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember I just, watching... Oh, <laughs> no. Watching that, I mean, I, I was just... Sitting there thinking, I understand why they had Debbie's character respond the way that yeah. she did, because there's still that resentment there. And of course, in, in, in the real world, in currently 2018 times, it was the middle of Me Too. Yeah. It was mm. so important for it oh, to be addressed yes. by the series. And I don't even think it was intentional on the right spot, because of course, this was long before yeah, yeah. this all came along. <laughs> I mean, it was literally this... this was like thrown in the middle mm. of in the midst of times up and me too yeah and for me and i'm going to connect this now back uh, to sam's response to when ruth said to him look the reason why we didn't get signed on is because the guy tried to sexually assault me essentially yeah. and that was it was quite a personal thing that personal reaction like very visceral reaction for me mm. because Watching a man on that show respond, shall we say, positively? Because he went, that fucking guy. Yeah, that fucking guy. That asshole. Yeah. And Um, then he smashed his car. 
to bits, <laughs> like which is great. But yeah, and then for a woman to respond the other negatively, way, says, "Why didn't you just pretend that you were on your period like the rest of us do?" But also that, that that in a lot of ways speaks to their characters and their the way they've related with the industry as well. Because mm. Ruth is very much an ingenue and has not actually mm. dealt with a lot of people in the industry, and it makes you wonder what Debbie has actually had to go through to mm. get to where she got to. I was going to say, I, 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 she's hardened. She's it, very hardened by the industry. It sort of suggests. That's one of the reasons why Debbie has been successful and Ruth has not. But I can't help but think that there are some women who will turn around and say, "Well, I've had to put up with this, so why do yeah. you?" Yeah, yeah, why oh, yeah. You? Oh, that's always a thing. And the only reason why I just kind of that had a really big impact on me is because not to go too much into it, but I, when I divulge some things that happened to me, mm. I had that reaction to some from some women. But when I spoke to some men about it, and this is where I have a lot of faith in men <laughs> as we move forward, <laughs> where mo- where I think pretty much every man that I have spoken to about it, not to say that I've spoken to every man <laughs> that I've interacted, but to every man that yeah. I've spoken to about it, they said, I'm really sorry that happened to you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, well, mm. I think in the, in this context of Glow, even though I think what's, what, other than the Debbie situation, Sam's reaction mm-hmm. specifically because I think that's Sam really... is an asshole. Like we need to set that stall out early. The guy is self-serving. We'll, 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 we'll come to Sam next. So the fact that yeah. the fact that he responds in that way to Ruth says an awful lot about him, the way he views Ruth yeah. and the way he believes in Ruth and what mm-hmm. he thinks of her as a person, um, which is very I different mean, to the way he thinks of a lot of sure. other people in the yes. show. I, I, I think sure as yeah, he's a sleazeball. Oh, um, <laughs> but at least he's one with a little bit of a moral compass it's broken a little bit but sometimes it swings in the right direction yeah, where yeah yeah he doesn't strike me as the sort of person who has had a no. history well, of, let's, let's yeah. come to sam let's so, come to sam let's come to sam. sam played by mark maron as previously discussed yep sam sylvia is a a director of shall we say, shall we say cult <laughs> Cult status. <laughs> cult status. Crap he's made. Horror. He's made some crap horror films. Yeah. But he has a vision of himself mm. as the great American director. That's who he wants to be. Yeah. He knows he isn't, and it's deeply frustrating to him. Um, yeah, which really comes to the fore in season he's, three. He's he's sour. He's grumpy. He's an alcoholic. An alcoholic. Who takes a lot of coke. Cocaine. And it's the eighties, <laughs> so the cocaine is kind of standard. Yeah, pretty much. And he. Certainly in the beginning, he does not want to be making this show. No. It's beneath him. Yeah. Uh, he slowly gets on board, I think. The, 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 the first cat fight that Ruth and Debbie have is, is when he thinks, actually, this could work. Yeah. And he slowly comes, he slowly comes, I think, to care about the women he's working with. He comes to care about the show. You can pull faces out. But <laughs> no, no. He it, comes to care his... about them for a given value of caring about them. Oh, yes. In yes. his own way. Everything's, everything's in and of his own way. <laughs> um, he is in many ways heartless and ruthless yeah. particularly in season one uh, there's an incident where somebody steals the video camera um, and he basically says whoever's got it bring it back and I'll only fire you and he um, he's very unsympathetic to he's actually very brutally cruel to the character of uh, Cherry Bang. Oh, incredibly. Uh, who we'll come to. So we'll, we'll come to what he's talking about later. He's, he's, they are supposed to be long-term friends, her and her husband and Sam. And I think that the, their relationship, I think, is a commentary on what what Hollywood friendships are. 
because they're not friends. No. But he doesn't like them very... Clearly doesn't like them, and he's brutal. At the same time, as a result of the affair she has with Debbie Egan's husband, Ruth gets pregnant yes. in season one. Yeah. And she opts to go for an abortion, and it's Sam who goes with her. Yeah, yeah. And he's incredibly cool about he it. He is very cool. To the point, and he understands Ruth well enough that he makes some very bad off-colour jokes. Yeah. Um, he also uh, pretends to be her boyfriend. He pretends to be her boyfriend. Which is great of him, in to, that day yeah. and age. Yeah, he pretends to be so her boyfriend important. so that she, she is less awkward in the, yeah. the thing. Uh, he does make a joke about hating kids in an abortion clinic, which is... <laughs> glorious. It is glorious. It's gloriously, <laughs> gloriously bad taste. And, uh, yes. And, and so that's, that's Sam. I, I like Sam in spite of him, I think. Um, I, I don't... I, I don't... I appreciate the character and the fact that it exists. I cannot possibly say that I like him. But I, I do That's enjoy fair. his interactions within the series. Um, but he's not I mean, he's not a villain. He's not someone that no, you love, he's not. He's not somebody that you'd love to hate. No, 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 no. He's he's just uh, he's not a very sympathetic or likeable guy. I think that's probably fair to say about most of the men in the series though. I think that's probably fair. Um, actually, since, we, since we've done one guy, shall we get the other one out the of the way? Well, there are three guys. There right? are three guys, but one of them's not on this cast list, so we'll, no. so we'll do him after. We'll, we'll skip him. Um, I've forgotten, it's only because I'm looking at the cast list at the back of the comic, that uh, I'm remembering that Bash's name is actually Sebastian. Sebastian, yeah. Because everybody calls him Bash. He's the producer of Globe, Bash Howard. Uh, it's produced by Bash Howard Productions, um, <laughs> which tells you everything you need to know about Bash's ego, really. His ego is fed by a small robot full of drugs, I think. But the least <laughs> series one, the robot yes. is glorious. It's great, robot. isn't it? At the party at his house. You, you remember this now? Vaguely. This is the robot that follows Britannica on, on yeah. into the ring yeah. on, in season one as well. Uh, they have a big house party at Bash's house. And he has a robot and it appears and it opens up and yes. it's full of drugs. And they were real. They were real. You could get one of those in the 80s. They were massively really? expensive. This is horrifying. Um, they, didn't, they didn't do very much. You had to program them carefully. They, 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 were, they were a bit like a human, a human shaped big track. Wow. And lots of people won't know what a big track is. Yeah. Google it. I'm not explaining it now. <laughs> but you could, you could program it so it knew where things were in the room and it would go around them and it would. It could, yeah. Like a Roomba. Yeah. It could, it could sense it could sense when somebody was near, and it, it would, in in the case of Bash's robot, say, "Would you like some drugs?" What was I was saying. Actually, that's, yeah, that's one of the things I yeah. like to ask because I wanted one of those robots in the eighties, not for my drugs, obviously. But uh, Bash is a spoiled, entitled rich kid. I think is the best way to describe him. He's never earned a cent in his life. No. All of his money comes from his mum, Birdie, who has a canned food empire. Something like that, uh, and. <laughs> Glow, the, the fate That's of... the most American empire <laughs> possibly have. The fate of Glow depends on whether his mother will pay his bills or not. Yeah. And that, that's, that's the biggest battle Bash ever has, is getting his, his mother to pay the bills. And they do some hilarious things. There's, a, there's a, a, an episode where she cuts him off. Oh my God, and so he takes, it. He takes all of the girls to, to one of his mother's fundraising parties, presents them as... Drug addicts. Drug addicts, recovering drug addicts. And they all, they all have to stand on the stairs and tell their story about how Bash and his charity have saved them um, and how wrestling has, has turned them around. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's just fantastic. 
Isn't that the episode where, where Sam tries to get off with Justine and discovers that she's his daughter? Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that is the most hilarious moment of... Like, and and, well, it's, in, um, it's actually after when Justine is round yeah. at her boyfriend's house and it's just perfect timing when he says, I'm sorry I tried to fuck you. And yeah. then <laughs> the mother is just behind him and she looks... Horrified, yeah. really. Yeah. Actually, shall we, shall we segue neatly to Justine? <laughs> Justine is amazing. I love Justine. I do want to just like circle back to Bash briefly. Major, major plot point of Bash, realistically, is that he's massively closeted and gay. Oh, yeah. And I think that. Well, I was going to say, season three, I think oh, it but, yeah. really gave him. It some... really did. But you could see it in two when Florian yeah. died of AIDS and yeah. he totally lost his shit and he destroyed his entire house. Well, because yeah. his best friend, who was his butler manservant guy, I yeah. guess, who I think they were probably closer than that emotionally, and yeah. I think he, I don't think he really knew how to deal I with it. I think they were, really, they, I think in, the way I read their relationship is that emotionally they were lovers, but phys yeah, physically they were not. Right. Yeah. Because Bash is not there yet. Bash is not out to himself yet. And it, the, Florian's, was his sexuality a surprise to him, perhaps? To Bash? It seemed to have been, yeah, when yeah. they went to the gay club and, and mm. the I girls thought... had a great time and he was just horrified. Like, yeah. Where? And that is a theme. What is this psychedelic app of Wonderland? <laughs> yeah, it's an amazing place. But, you know, that that, that theme Sorry, of... I just had a... Did, did either of you watch Downton Abbey ever? <laughs> um, it, it, I watched I watched the episodes that had the, the lad in that I used to teach, and I didn't watch any of the others. I did see. Not. There's the scene where um, oh god, it's a character that Dan Stevens plays. No, the the distant cousin that right. inherits the the estate, and they go into etc. You know when just the jazz era comes along, and they go into a club. And he's like, it's like the like something out of Dante's Inferno. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is the look on Bash's face. Like, literally the look on his face. Very much. He doesn't have the... Um, uh, Which intellectual like, hell are we in here yeah. now? He doesn't have the intellectual capacity to state it in those terms. Bless his little heart. Um, his BMX-loving yeah. heart. He doesn't have that. But he, he, he season three really follows that through and really looks at his, um, his sexuality and how he handles yeah. that and how he doesn't handle it and well, how he's going to handle it going forward. Because he, he marries... He marries Melanie Rosen, who is one. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. No, he marries um, Rhonda. Rhonda. He marries Rhonda. Yeah. <laughs> he marries the English girl. Yeah. Played marries... by the glorious Kate Nash. <laughs> he marries. He marries. He marries one of the wrestlers, and there's an immensely. He and marries I... her because she needs a green card. Yeah. He marries. He marries because she needs a green card. Um, and we'll talk about Rhonda in a bit. But there are a couple of, of scenes in season three that kind of underline what's going on with Bash and his sexuality. Mm. Uh, there is a fairly... Glow is often fairly graphic in its, mm. its portrayals of sex. It is. There's a fairly That's graphic... That's another reason. If you're not comfortable with sex, maybe don't watch... Don't, don't watch Glow. No, don't, don't do that. Do not watch season um, three. Do not. <laughs> there's, a very, there's, a, there's a very graphic sex scene. Well, yeah, when, when season three came along, I was like, wow, there's a lot of butts. Mm. There's a lot... <laughs> there, there, there's a penis there. Yes, yeah. <laughs> It's, face. It's, it's a very it's a very graphic sex scene uh, and it's it's one of the most passionless deliberately passionless things i think i've ever seen um and, yeah, yeah and there's a a, a great it's excruciating it's a really great, great conversation between bash and a character from season three who's a drag queen yes um, oh my god that who he's um, Bobby Barnes. yeah he's yeah, talking to Bobby. he's talking to bash and bash makes a great point of talking about yeah, me and my wife yes. me and my wife 
and, uh, and the drag queen so hard to be straight. The, the drag queen looks at him and goes, uh, "Yes, yes, you and your wife," <laughs> because he sees he sees straight through it, and yeah, he yeah. sees he sees that Ronda is effectively a beard. Yeah, and but Bash still doesn't see it. Uh, so shall we move on to Janine? Because we started on Janine. And yes, let's do Janine. Let's Jan- do Janine's the youngest character. Uh, she's only a wrestler in season one because Sam yeah. finds out how old she is. Yeah. Um, and she... And finds out she's his daughter. And it's, it's very... Sorry, do you mean Justine? I mean, Justine, yeah. I do mean just... I just called her Janine, didn't I? Yeah. Damn it. I'll edit that out and make myself sound less stupid. Justine is... In season one, for most of it, as, a, as, a, as the audience, she comes across as... A Sam, a Sam Sylvia super fan. Yeah. And to be honest, Sam's reaction that she's a groupie. Uh, I mean, Sam's decision that yes, I will take advantage of this groupie makes him a creep. But it was the eighties. Men were creeps. And but you know, it, it's that was not a stupid conclusion for the jump to. No, it's the one also, that we jumped to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, she I is. Have to it, say that was quite a good twist. It was a very good yeah. twist. And the other thing is, she's obviously purporting to be much older than she is. Yes. She has run away from home. Yeah. Come to LA, purporting to be older than she is, so she can meet her father. So he thinks, and he, he so he therefore thinks she's a woman in her twenties. Yeah. And she's not. He is a literal child. <laughs> and then he makes her go to school. Yeah. There's a great. There's a great. <laughs> great. There's a great story arc uh, in season one between her and the boy who delivers the pizzas. Yes, it's um, very cute. And she very keeps, awful. She keeps ordering pizza, so this 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 hot pizza delivery pizza delivery boy. boy who looks very familiar to me, and this this probably won't mean much to a lot of people. He reminds me of Kai from uh, Lex, which was a, a '90s science fiction show, which nobody watched because in this country it was on at like half past two in the morning on Channel Five. Yeah, I can see the title screen. That's it. Um, it had two X's, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I can see the title screen. And it's clearly not him, because the, the guy who played him must be, like, nearly 40 now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway. Um, <laughs> Time passes. And she's sharing a room with Artie, I think it Arthie, is. Artie, yeah. And Artie, in the end, just kind of make, vacates the room. She takes the pizza. She takes the pizza. She takes, <laughs> she the, pizzas takes the pizzas and leaves. And leaves. Um... <laughs> I love Arnie. Um, uh, Justine is smart. She's funny. Um, she's a much, much better writer than her father. She, yeah, she's, it's, she's demonstrably a better writer than her dad. Mm. Uh, she's inspired by her father. Yeah. Uh, and she, she genuinely does look up to Sam. She might be one of the very few characters in the show who actually looks up to Sam. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she appreciates her dad. For, for what he is. Mm, yeah. Uh, she's got no illusions about him. And she's, in, in some ways, kind of the, the most grounded person. Oh, absolutely. On the, on the What's quite nice as well about it is, like, she is totally that 80s punk. Yes. You know, so she's she is modern for that period of time, for that era, in a way that a lot of the others aren't, because they're adults. So, like, she well, is... You know, she's there with the padlock around her neck, very, very punk, making... Her boyfriend is in a punk band. She makes the T-shirts. People think she's just the T-shirt sales girl. She gets very upset at the girls flirting with her boyfriend. There's something that feels very Mm. real about her in a way that some of the other characters, perhaps, because they are adults and a little bit weirder. And she's got that natural awkwardness every teenager has. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Everyone can relate to her, even just the tiny bit. Yeah, totally. And I, I think... I, I, this is literally, literally just occurred to me because I'm stupid. Um, but I think perhaps one of the reasons why I like her so much is 
She's my age. She's exactly my age. Yeah, totally. I knew... I was at school with girls like Justine. Yeah. I was in a band. I had a padlock around my neck. So, you know, I <laughs> I recognise her. Yeah. She feels very real to me. So, yeah, I, I, I think she adds an extra dimension to the show. And also because she's she is, like, at one remove from them age-wise, there isn't the the way her, she ends up, her relationship she ends up having with the girls is much more like they see her as like a, a little sister and they yeah. look after her. They do look after her like like she is the age that she is um, yeah. towards the end of it and especially in like season two. Mm. Yeah. yeah, which I think is, is interesting. Compared to how they treat each other, <laughs> like it is slightly different. Um, and since we mentioned it while well, we discussed it, uh, Arcee Prem Kumar, whose name I have, his character, I've forgotten that name. Arthi, I know her name is Arthi. I did not know what her surname was. I don't think you necessarily know everyone's surname. Like no. Ever. Ruth, you do because she comes in and goes, I'm Ruth Wilder and I'll be reading for, like, in scene one. And um, um, she, yeah. she is, I forget, is her character Indian descent or Pakistani uh, yeah, descent? Yeah, I think so. Um, subcontinent descent, but in Glow because it's the 80s. Uh, she is. She did not choose this character. It's excruciating. She is given. Well, there's a really horrible moment it's, at the yes. end where somebody throws a throws yeah. a can at her. Yeah. Don't they? They can't. They yeah. can uh, She is given the the wrestling persona of Beirut, the Mad Bomber. Yeah, it's not cool. And. Especially not cool now. <gasps> really extra and not I mean, awful. if this was... If the, the modern equivalent would be calling her Al-Qaeda. Yeah, basically. Or ISIS. Yeah. Mm. Um, and she she has uh, sort of heavy makeup and... Uh, and she does the yell. She does She does the, the, the yell and, and... And she hates... She hates it. This character. She hates it. But she's also studying medicine. Yes. Like, in season one, she's studying medicine. She doesn't want to, but she is. She's going Under to be pressure a doctor. of her family, she's going to be a doctor. And then she's like, nah, I'm going to be a wrestler, screw this. And she just leaves it all behind, which yeah. you know, she's really fine figuring out her life and, and who she is. As uh, and I think that's the start of her being, her choosing who she who wants she yeah, needs I, to be. Especially when Yolanda comes along. Especially in yeah, season two when Yolanda comes along. At the start, uh, Arcee is, is quite timid, very reserved. Yeah. She's, she's, she's your stereotypical nerd. Your stereotypical nerd, but also your stereotypical girl of Indian subcontinent descent. Mm. Um, I, I clearly just quite nerd. In my head, I just saw nerd. <laughs> I just quite, didn't, it didn't go even look past yeah, that. Yeah, quite deferential, yeah. doesn't put herself forward. Um, she's quiet. And she has grown over three seasons mm-hmm. in so many ways. I love her. She's become so much more assertive as a, as a person, so much clearer about what she wants. Mm-hmm. Well, especially, I mean, I think everyone in the show has had some amazing, like, amazing character development in this latest season. I think mm. mo- most, I wouldn't say all, but most. most. Like, Reggie hasn't changed. Reggie's the same. She is still the Viking. Yeah. Vicky the Viking, she's not. But then really, again, I think she's kind of been yeah. sat on a little bit. So I'm hoping yeah. if. Have another season, maybe yeah. give her a bit more. Yeah, I, I think it was quite nice to see like a little bit more of her, but like again, we, yeah, we not really like that. Like, we, 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 can, we can deal with Reggie Walsh, aka Vicky the Viking, yep. uh, by saying she's a former Olympic athlete yep. who came to do a sports show and is still there. Yeah, but she got fired because she was the original Liberty Bell. She was the original Liberty mm. Bell. And they had to get her back, and then she became Vicky the Viking, yeah. and then she's been Vicky the Viking. I mean, that's how, that's how, that's one of the reasons. That's the season one arc. She's in, like, yeah. three episodes, the beginning and the end, and that's it. That's, like, and that's, that's how we see Sam's ruthlessness come through. Yeah. Because he just kind of goes, right, well, we don't need you, get out. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's her. <laughs> um, 
And since we since we mentioned the talk when we talked about Arthur, Yolanda Rivas, who arrives in episode what? one of season two. two. Gloriously doesn't she arrive? Um, My love for her knows no bounds. She I mean, she is sexy as hell. She is really ridiculous. She's a stripper. She, um, she is a stripper. She's an amazing dancer in, yeah. as well. That's that what she's, she's, she's a Latinx character. Yep. She comes in to take the character of Junk Chain. Which was Cherry Banks. Which was Cherry Banks, and we'll come back to Cherry yes, Banks. Yes, we will. We'll circle around. Um, <laughs> and she is a confident and unapologetic person, I think it's fair to say. She is. In all aspects of her life. Including her sexuality. Yeah, she is a gay woman. Yep. She's gay, not bi, isn't she? She is yeah. gay. She's a gay woman. Um, she is very gay. No, and, and she's angrily gay. She's like, angrily, <laughs> unapologetically and confidently gay, which is unheard of in the 80s. Mm, yeah. Um... She makes some an excellent points, especially like in season three. Like in season two, it's just kind of she comes along, she is who she is. She's just like yeah, and whatever, and that's what it. That's how like her character comes across. And then yeah. in season three, you see a lot more of the like you can't trust people. They will be homophobic to you. They're not really your friends because they are thinking those thoughts in their heads, and that sucks. But that's the truth. And she's that's what I mean when I say she's angry gay. I I feel that that's a mood. I get her. I get where she's coming from. A hundred and ten percent with that one. Been there, lived it. And so I really I get that. And I mean that you've seen this episode. This is as far as you've got. Like you know when Arthur's like, well I don't know if I'm gay. I don't know what's happening. And that becomes a whole like she's just like. Yep, no, it's black and white, the end. If you're not, I don't want to know you. If you are, fair enough. And that's like it. Mm. And I feel like that's a very 80s attitude mm -hmm. that is pervading still through a lot of people who are not willing to allow people to figure their shit out mm -hmm. in their own good time, which I find very frustrating. And also it is very biphobic and I dislike that hugely. Yes. But I still love her and understand where she's coming from, from this context. Well, yeah, because I mean, let's face it, up to this point, she's probably faced a shit Oh my God. homophobia. Yeah, so, and racism. Um, like the, the intersectionality of her character so, is huge. Know, so there's a difference between understanding why she's arrived at this point, <laughs> but... Agreeing with it is a completely different. Oh, yeah, totally. oh sure, game. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, that scene made me viscerally uncomfortable. But also, also, you, as as you have to when we look at uh, historic characters, mm -hmm. uh, you feel for the names. Attitude. I was filled with huge <laughs> Oh, that's a good call, Ben. Yeah. Um, but whenever we're talking, whenever we're looking at characters who, from who are from the past in this way. Uh, whether whether it's attitudes to sexuality or race yeah. or gender yeah. or whatever it is, you have to look at it through the filter oh, of, yeah, of the, the 80s. time. Oh, yeah, of the 80s. 100%. And, you know, as somebody who was a young adult, I'll say, I was allowed to vote, uh, in, the, <laughs> in, the, in, the, in, the, in the late 80s at least, I know what my attitudes were then. Yeah. I'm a little uncomfortable with some of the things I may have said. Yep. back then. Oh, absolutely. And I, I, I had a friend. I had friends. Who... The nineties for me, like I, I mean, I have literally been the person that goes, I am not dealing with fucking straight girls. I'm not doing it. This is a nightmare. And I've been that person. I, I hmm. am not that person now because evolution is a thing that happens individually to people. Yeah. And uh, so I get where she's coming from and the hurt and the pain and that whole thing. I oh yeah, I mean, literally, I mean, Yolanda, I get Yolanda it. is is many, many, many layers of armor. Oh my god, she's amazing. because <laughs> she has needed them. Yeah, totally. You know, in the in the in the eighties, you could just utterly dismiss somebody. Yep. 
by just saying that they were a lesbian. Let me just tell you, I do have a really strong memory from the 80s that I, I never talk about this story. I don't tell it, I tell the story a lot to uh, my wife, but no one else. You know, my grandma's a massive bigot and she's awful, right? I tell you about this. I tell yeah. you about this. I, 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 I will edit this out of the podcast. Cool. So basically, my memory of the 80s is that I, I went to Leeds um to lead city galleries okay so i went to the art uh, museums and obviously in the 80s the aids crisis which comes up quite a lot in glow and um, this season especially you really don't have to so it's fine um sure. yeah yeah it's totally chill um so there was in the 80s obviously the aids crisis was huge and there was a massive um exhibition about the aids crisis and like it was just this this whole section of the gallery was dedicated to like you know basically like that whole thing and mm-hmm. you know it, it, the just anyone that knows anything about it, it was brutal, it was awful, and the artists at the time were really, really trying to fight um, the good fight, and a lot of gay artists, especially, you know, Keith Herring, huge, so important, really, really amazing guy, um, and various others, um, were were just putting out work left, right, and centre, saying, look, you know, science equals death, and that was massive, Pink Triangles, the works. Mm-hmm. So, this whole section of Lisa Galleries was about a me, probably seven, very little, um, taken there by my grandma. We look at the other bits that are in there, obviously look at all the other sculptures and everything else that's in Lisa Galleries. Beautiful place. Please go. It's wonderful. Visit your local it is actually fun. It's an incredible place. But they had this one wing that was that. And we went in there. And as soon as she realized what it was, she dragged me through that place at 100 miles an hour. Don't look at the walls. Don't look at any of it. And literally hoyed me out of there so fast it wasn't true because that was her horror that was it the 80s is you know the AIDS crisis is like gay people bad mm. and that was such a huge aspect of that time yeah and so it in this divide this whole thing of like people's reaction towards sexuality and that connotation of it being um dangerous is a big thread in season three of Glow because oh, it it's, yeah, it's it is. part of Bash's life. It's part of Yolanda's life. It's part mm-hmm. of Bob. You were talking about Bobby. He, Bobby. yeah, he so is like bring Bobby Barnes. I back. love Bobby Barnes, who's the drag queen. Who basically in the in season three they go to Vegas because they're no longer allowed to put the show on TV. So they move to Vegas and they have a show in a hotel. And in the basement of the hotel there is a drag show every night, um, three times a night because it's Vegas. Um, and this guy is 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 pivotal really to that. To the last, at least the last act of that season, yeah. and he puts on an AIDS benefit, of course, um, which is something that they all get involved in in various different ways. And so, like you know, that 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 is brought into Shark Relief this idea of like acceptability and yeah. um, and what is and what isn't allowed. And I don't know if you if you've seen the the episode with the the actual benefit in it. Yeah, no. right. I'm not going to say anything else. But you know that that. That episode is, it really does actually massively cast that into into focus. It? It's just fucking, like, it's a lot, people. It's a lot. <laughs> and yeah, uh, and it, ch- it changes a lot of things say, for yes, a lot of people. Visceral is the best way to... The end of that episode, uh, yeah, it gutted me in a very literal way. <laughs> Literally, like... Yeah, absolutely. It's... Everything is... Yeah. You know when something has such an emotional impact on you and yeah. you just kind of like... It's like a, a train hitting yeah. you it is, a thousand yeah. miles it's an hour. It's like a episode. It's phenomenal. It's such a brilliant episode in so many ways. And then, yeah, there is just this whole very sharp stop to it. And um, you can really understand why Bash feels like he feels. You can mm-hmm. see where he's coming from oh, yeah. in oh, a way that you yeah. possibly would not necessarily... But as modern people living in the world we do it's, and being quite liberal, you know, you don't necessarily think about those things. It's very and then easy. You see that, that era. It's very easy. And, and I, I mean, this, this has come up as an issue before on the podcast. It's very easy to look back from the 21st century, living in the world we live in now, which is 
far from perfect, but my God, we've come a long way. Mm. Mm. And it's easy to look back at the 80s and not quite understand how terrifying yeah. the AIDS crisis was. Yeah. How terrified uh, people who, were, who were, were gay, whether they were out or not, were. I, I often... Of everything. Yeah. And with justification. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because being outed as gay, it could cost you your job. Yep. If you, it could cost you... If you had children, your children could be taken away. Yep. It, it... Well, that's, that was beautifully presented in the scene, which I think is... You, I don't think you've watched this episode yet. Well, you know, when <laughs> the last should... episode. And so um... you can describe it... It's my fault for coming to a podcast when I haven't seen the whole thing. So... No, no. The scene between Bash and, and Debbie, Debbie. yeah, and where, where, he, where he basically explains exactly what's going I, I've on with been, him. I've been found out. Yeah, and I've been just... seen. She saw me, and yeah. it's, and and Debbie his horror, his absolute horror, and he really believes he's going to lose everything. And Debbie is wonderful. She is so so wonderful. She's like, no, no, it's fine. But you're going to do something for me. And I'll cover your ass, and that's mm-hmm. how it works. And it, it's in a lot. In some ways, it's yeah. anniversary, but in a lot of ways. She is doing what is right for herself as a woman in that period mm-hmm. because she doesn't have many options, and she is protecting but him at the same again, time. If he if he wanted some support, if he wanted to come out and be who he really yeah. was, she'd be she'd be there for oh, him. Oh, she totally well. would. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I get that from that scene definitely. You know, she had nothing but, and I just love that she was dressed as Mother Christmas as well in yes! that moment as well. <laughs> she was, and just looking down at him with utter acceptance yeah. and I just thought that was a beautifully curated scene yeah lovely um, it really was wonderful filmmaking at its finest yeah definitely um those last those last three episodes are amazing <laughs> sorry Reggie I'm so sorry but they are they are I get together. can I say going back to Bobby Barnes another yeah. character who has great interactions with is Sheila yes you know yeah and actually yeah let's talk about Sheila Oh my God, Sheila goes on such a journey in season three. She is my, she is, I think, one of my very favourite characters in every season. Sheila the She Wolf. Does she actually have a surname? <laughs> nope, she doesn't. No. Know. As herself, and I guess maybe we'll now find out who she really yeah. is. Just really exciting. Yes, Sheila. Yes. You know she's from Baltimore now. Yes. Sheila's the most authentic. But she's is unapo- she? Well, in in up in, in the... up until now, she was unapologetic apologetically herself but now she's maybe it's more about transformation what i find really interesting is about the 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 conflation between sheila the she-wolf as her persona that she presents to the world and bobby and drag because Mm. drag is a way of presenting a larger than life version of yourself or a version of yourself that you can't be to the world in a way that allows you acceptance acceptance of yourself and acceptance from other people mm-hmm. and this this conflation in season three mm. of sheila's persona as sheila she yeah. who she is all day every single day yeah the whole so, first two seasons just because we haven't said it and there may be some people who are listening to this who unaccountably haven't watched glow sort um, your lives out <laughs> um, sheila arrives in the first episode at the audition dressed in fur uh, with a, a, a matted wig that's kind of done up to look a little bit like when, ears. When um, Bobby washes her wig for oh, her. Oh. Um, and she is... not brushing her. No, she, barely, she barely talks. Well, uh, and she, she shares a room with Ruth. She shares a room with Ruth. 
And um, there's a, a wonderful <laughs> Ruth sleeps by the pool. That's how it's, she shares a room with Ruth. One of my one of my favourite scenes in season one is uh, Ruth is desperately trying to make a connection with her because that's who Ruth is. Mm. Um, and she starts riffling on about how she admires Sheila's commitment to the character that you know she she dresses like that all the time. She's and feeling she, like it's very Stanislavski, yeah. isn't she? She's feeling and like Sheila. Sheila just looks at her. And he says, I've dressed like this every day for the past 15 years. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah, And it's very clear that as far as Sheila is concerned, this is not a costume and this is not an act. And yeah, and unless they, of course it is. Yeah, and when even when like they start coming, the, they get fans in season two mm. and they want them to sign things and they want like them to be there and there's people dressing up like her oh. and she hates it so much. She's like, "This is who I am. And you can't pretend to be me because this is who I am." And she, because the other girls think that she will be thrilled by this. Yes, and, and she's, she's horrified. Appalled. She leaves. Because it, it, it hits her somewhere very deeply personal. And I think well, that's, that's why we... what that's what Bobby says. Yeah, and it's I love that moment. Like that's like I I think that is uh, I think anyone that wants to be an actor should watch that scene, especially that moment. It's a I mean, it's a beautiful scene. Stunning. Um, this is deep, isn't it? And this is when they both they were both in costume, but they but that that's where they became emotionally naked. Like they might. Yeah. The, if you could use your imagination, that's where the costumes kind of yes disappears. Very, very as much As soon so. as they locked eyes. Yeah. And I think, I mean, Bobby as a drag queen, and, and you, I don't know why I'm repeating what you've just said, but Bobby as a drag queen is perhaps the first person she has met who understands Oh yeah. how what she's doing works, yeah. what that is. Yeah, because... And I think he understands it better than she does. Yeah, definitely. And I think, um, I mean... Are you going to run for Bobby, by the way? Yeah, Bobby's a dude. Yeah, he goes by he, doesn't he? he he's a dude. Yeah. He's a guy. He's a guy that puts on a dress and is a drag queen. A whole other, all the whole other thing. Um, yeah. So Bobby, obviously, yeah, he he sees in her something that she is possibly not yet worth ready to admit to herself, which is that she has been performing Sheila for her entire like the entire time she's been Sheila has been a performance to hide something yeah. and there's that that awful yet wonderful scene where she is doing uh, the acting class where she's gone to an acting class and she is doing the scene but she's dressed obviously as Sheila she looks because that's her amazing and she gives a stunning performance and the guy Besides in the audition is a huge douchebag and refuses himself to see past what she looks like a mood um, so, you know, like, uh, there's this whole thing of, like, if, if an actor... He is, does if, it to Tammy as well. He does do it to, ta- to, to May as well. To, to May. Yeah, to May. To Tammy. Tammy. Um, <laughs> Sorry. And it's that whole thing of, like, refusing to see being a douchey white guy in Hollywood, refusing to see past what's in front of you to actually what the person is. And so... Yeah. Um, and, or, or to what the person is presenting to you. Which is the same problem that Ruth has. Yes. It's the same problem that... So May has, and we'll, I guess we'll come to her next now. Yeah. Um, it's the same problem that um, Artie has. It's the same problem that the, all of the women have. Yeah. Is that nobody will look past the surface. Yeah. It's just that level. with, with uh, Sheila, the surface level is extra. It's yeah. an extra level but, you know, of with, with Ruth, a lot. With Ruth, it's that she's a woman. With Debbie, it's that she's a blonde. With, with, with Carmen and Tamei, it's that they're larger women. Yeah. With with Jenny Che, it's that she's Vietnamese. It, it's, it's Cambodian. Cambodian. Chinese Cambodian. She's Chinese, Chinese Cambodian. Cambodian. Specifically, she's Chinese Cambodian. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's...
Hello, me again, talking to you once more from the future. We're going to leave it here because we've reached a logical stopping place and we're going to go way, way over the hour if we move on to the next thing. So, thank you for listening. Thank you particularly to all the listeners on Harrogate Community Radio. We hope you enjoyed what you heard and that you'll be back for the second part of this discussion of what is one of the best things ever to happen on television. Until then, be kind to yourself. Be kind to everybody else. And above all else, remember, we are geeks, we are standing at the gates, but we're holding the gates open so that everyone can come in. Bye! Thank you for listening to the Geeks at the Gate podcast. us on Facebook at facebook.com slash geeks at the gate or contact us on Twitter at geeks at the gates or contact us by email on mail for geeks at the gates at gmail.com that is the number four not the word geeks at the gates is a production of Venus Rising Media and is proudly made in Yorkshire <laughs>